What is up, Steeler Nation? Welcome back to State of the Steelers. I'm your Behind the Steel Curtain podcast host, Daniel J. Coming back with you with another episode on this Super Bowl championship weekend. A lot of headlines, a lot of news that's gone on this past week. And today we're going to be talking about more changes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in the second half, I'm going to be uh, trying something a little bit different for the offseason. A segment I called Steelers Steelers in the News. And then, of course, we'll end it off with my prediction for tomorrow's Super Bowl game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Should be a good one. Should be exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of points possibly being scored. (laughs) There's some good defenses there. Um, But with that being said, let's get into this. So. There's some changes that'll be uh, that we should be expecting for the Pittsburgh Steelers going forward. I don't think anything big or major, nothing like a coordinator or anything like that. However, one change did occur in the coaching staffs, which was the loss of Brian Flores. Brian Flores is heading over to Minnesota to be the Vikings defensive coordinator. Um, good for him. I, you know, appreciate his services and what he was able to do for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense last year. I think that he really showed um, his worth as a uh, as a coordinator, as a coach, as a person for the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you know the Steelers had a lot of injuries, they had middle linebacker issues, and yet they still were able to do things defensively, uh, limiting the opposition, especially in the second half of the season last year. Uh, to under 20 points and, you know, really showed why he is, you know, you know, his contributions helped to show why he is uh, probably should be a head coach. So a steal as a defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings and a great opportunity for Brian Flores. Unfortunately, um, you know, he's not going to be here this upcoming year. I would like to see him continue to work with Mark Robinson. I think he was doing a fantastic job with that raw talent and his ability, Um, but he was a senior defensive coach. Comes time to the Steelers replace him. Do they find another another coach, maybe not titled senior defensive assistant, but another coach to fulfill some of the duties and or, um, you know, be a part of the staff to fill in for this, you know, the team. And Jeff Hartman had a fantastic article earlier this week talking about, um, the Steelers options there. And he talked about how the Steelers typically have one of the smallest coaching staff uh, units in the NFL. And I highly recommend going to beyond the steel curtain.com and checking that out. But for Brian Flores's position, it was one that was created. He wasn't really um, fulfilling a slot that was open. The Steelers did lose a uh, assistant wide receivers coach. And so I would assume um, the Steelers having only six team coaches that there may be uh, one or two coming uh, this way. Uh, nothing, anything major. No, I don't think there's going to be a position. I know a lot of folks are, are harping and hoping and uh, myself included that there might be a passing game coordinator or, or something like that. I don't foresee that happening at this venture, uh, but I do see maybe per- perhaps assistant positional coaches being added, whether it's on the offense or the defense, probably on both. Um, But those are some changes that I see coming forward. Some more changes is going to be in the uh, quarterback room. 
you know, currently right now the Pittsburgh Steelers have um, Mr. Trubisky and Kenny Pickett under contract. Mr. Trubisky is going to get paid quite a bit next season to be a backup. Is that a uh, is Mitch Trubisky worth that amount of money for a just in case type of moments? And not to mention when he was called upon last season, you know, after he had been sitting on the bench for a while. You know, I understand that he did. He, he looked fine against Tampa Bay when he went in for Kenny Pickett, who had suffered a uh, concussion. However, you know, he was just recently pulled from the starting lineup. You know, when he came in for. Uh, Kenny Pickett against the Ravens, where he'd been on the bench for a significant amount of time, uh, it didn't look so good. And again, even against Carolina, it wasn't the best showing, in my opinion. It was, it was okay. Um, but for me, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a uh, option that you can trust at ten million dollars per year. I think you potentially could, you know, trade Mitch Trubisky. Um, you. One or two things are going to happen. You're going to trade him for peanuts. Maybe get a sixth round for him. But somebody's going to take that contract. Or you'll trade him for a third or fourth. He he was the highest, uh, you know, he had the biggest magnifying glass or whatever you want to call it, the biggest star when it came to free agency. Last season, or last offseason, um, he was the uh, the hottest commodity in the quarterback room for the free agency last year. And so maybe perhaps there's still a, a market value for him. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Matt Canada and his offense. Maybe perhaps there's another team out there that that thinks in the same way that maybe Mitch Trubisky's failures wasn't so, so much his failures as much as the design and, uh, and the concepts in the passing game of the offense of coordinator. And so, you know, one of those two things will happen. I think if uh, you get that option, I think the Steelers should let him go and go out there and find a, a suitable backup quarterback that can come in in a pinch that's not going to cost $10 million or or $8 million. Um, I know that, you know, Art Rooney came out recently and stated that he foresees he's going to see um, Mr. Trubisky playing with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the start of the season. But that's because Mr. Risky is currently a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers under contract for next season. Uh, why wouldn't he expect them to see it unless there's plans otherwise? And those things are not to be divulged until, um, you know, time is appropriate for those type of things to come out. And so I don't really put too much weight into that aspect of, of Art Rooney coming out and saying that. Um, Mitch Trubisky's not going to, he's going to be uh, in a Steelers uniform this upcoming season. Uh, I'm not sure that's the case. <clears throat> now there's a lot of free agents that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have to uh, hopefully re re-sign and bring back, you know, some like Terrell Edmonds, probably Robert Spillane, uh, Larry Ogunjobi, um, you know, and some other key players. The the issue is the Steelers at this point have only re-signed Anthony Miller, wide receiver, who was injured in, um, prior to the season opener last season and he was lost for the season. You know, so there hasn't been a lot of movement in that direction. Uh, I'm curious to see if the Steelers are going to hold off on re- re-signing anyone before free agency opens up. 
and see if they're going to allow some of these players to go out there and, and check their worth out in the in the open market. I, I anticipate the Steelers probably gave the uh, these many of these players like Cam Sutton, Terrell Edmonds, and et cetera, Larry Ogunjobi, offers and um, you know give them the opportunity to go see if there's something out there worth more. I think the Steelers are going to be targeting a middle linebacker and free agency. And so there's some going to be some changes coming in in that direction. Uh, I, for one, would prefer the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, re-sign Cam Sutton, release Kilo Weatherspoon, save a little bit of money there, re-sign Terrell Edmonds, um, and try to bring back Casey. I think Casey and Terrell Edmonds and uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, could be a three-headed monster. It's a, it's a three-headed monster that we were expecting to see all last season that we really didn't get an opportunity to. Now, if the Steelers go and maybe perhaps attract a uh, Tremaine Edmonds in free agency as a middle linebacker, now Tremaine and Terrell uh, as inside linebackers with that three-headed monster of a uh, three-safety set with uh, Kazi and um, Nika Fitzpatrick playing coverage further back, that sounds like a an amazing defense to have, in my opinion. And so, you know, those are the guys. And, you know, Larry Ogunjobi is probably another guy that I would hope that the Pittsburgh Steelers would try to bring back. Uh, he did have some injury last year prior to, you know, signing with the Steelers. He did sign a pretty big contract with the, I believe it was the Bears. Uh, he didn't pass a physical, so he ended up coming to the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple months later at a much discounted rate. Um, perhaps he's seeking a contract relative to what he got last offseason. Um, perhaps he's, um, you know, he likes what he saw in the Pittsburgh Steelers, likes, you know, made a home here. Uh, I believe he was a Steelers fan growing up. Hopefully you know, I'd like to see him back. I'd like to see him continue to be a member of the black and gold. Uh, like I said earlier, he had some, off-season injury issues, which kept him out of training camp this off-season. And so this year, you know, him getting healthier, him being uh, another year or have a year under his belt with this scheme and defense in mind, um, it'd be good for Larry O to come back and have a full training camp, full off-season with, uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he'd be even bigger and better force for the Pittsburgh Steelers for the, for the next years to come. And so it's it's going to be there's going to be some changes that are still still needing to, to to come out. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what what's going to happen. You know, first and foremost, you know, we have to get through the uh, the Super Bowl, which is uh, tomorrow night. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um you know, that game's going to be interesting. And, you know, we'll talk about that more on, you know what, we'll, we'll talk about that now. And then that way, the second side, we can just leave straight for Steelers in the news. Uh, I think this game is going to be a uh, a tough game for the for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think that the um, they have a lot of injuries in some key places. They have some banged up guys like Mahomes with his eye, high ankle sprain. You know, he's going to be a lot better than he was, you know, in the AFC championship, a lot more healthier, but he's still not going to be 100 percent. Juju's been dealing with the knee injury. They've had some receivers that are, um, you know, not their healthiest. Uh, you know, the the Eagles, on the other hand, are coming in 
hot. They're they're coming in healthy. Um, I feel that they're 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 a force. Uh, I, I think that the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are going to win this game, and I think that this game is probably going to be competitive for the first three quarters. And I think towards the end, Philadelphia takes off with it. I'm gonna say thirty-eight to twenty-seven, Philadelphia Eagles. Now, don't go anywhere. When we get back, we're going to have a new segment called Steelers in the News. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the other side. Welcome back to State of the Steelers. I'm your behind the steel curtain host, Daniel J. We're talking changes. We're talking a uh, well. Actually, we're going to go back in, in time a little bit. Um, we're we're going to be bringing out for this uh, off season. Maybe doing a segment of Steelers in the news. Steelers who made the headlines, so to speak, and one that came out a while ago, but is a little bit relevant because of other news that have come up as well is Richard Mendenhall. It, it was a, a couple weeks ago, maybe now he came out with a tweet saying, if big Ben is a leader, you say he is. Why hasn't he taken credit for the fall? What manager of a company goes to hide in the shadows when the results come in, we win. It's him we lose. It's me or Tomlin. Huh? And then has uh, any given Sunday steaming Willie Beeman uh, YouTube clip underneath of it. And so that was headlines a couple weeks ago. It kind of brings back, um, you know, and the reason I bring this out is because earlier this week in the headlines was former tackle Max Starks came out talking about that same Super Bowl loss. Also kind of throwing shade, maybe throwing Big Ben under the bus as well. And so <clears throat> first, before we get into Max Starts comments, let's talk about Richard Mendenhall. I don't think Richard has any room to talk and Starks will bring it up as well. And he talks about that fumble. But at the end of the day, your responsibility as a running back is first and foremost to secure the ball and maintain possession of the ball, and then move that ball forward, right? And he didn't do that. Regardless of anything, regardless if somebody had a clear shot on him or not, his responsibility was to hold on to that football. He didn't. And that was in one of the most weighty moments in the biggest game there is. Now, I understand, you know, Big Ben didn't have probably the best game. He was pressured quite a bit, and one of his pressures led to an interception early off Uh, he got picked quite a bit um and you know it it was not the best performance all the way around but this is a football game and it's a football team now i (laughs) i think when it comes to richard and he talks about a leader this and, and a leader that manager of a company this not hiding yet he doesn't take any responsibility for the fumble that he, that that was one of the biggest reasons for the loss. 
You know, he's always throwing somebody else under the bus. Oh, it was the, the line. It was a perfect hit. Big Ben didn't do this. Ben wanted to throw the ball, yada, yada, yada. Not the first time we've heard this, right? And we, this is, you know, we also not the first time that we've heard that Big Ben wasn't the best teammate around that time in his career, probably. You know, this is 2010. This is early on in his career. He had just gotten his, uh, his second contract. And so Max Starts comes out and he has some, some statements. So it says your offensive tackle Max Starks opened up on the PM Tuesday and he stated um, about why they didn't continue to hammer the hammer the run. Max Starks stated, I think we were trying to make sure that guys had opportunities for bigger trophies at the end. Said Starks referring to quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. He goes, I'll just leave it at that. So. Based on this small snippet of this comment, it, it, it states that basically, um, you know, maybe perhaps Big Ben wanted to be an MVP. You know, he didn't have the first, you know, in 2005 in Super Bowl 40, he didn't have the best game there either. You know, the Steelers won probably uh, in spite of Ben Roethlisberger. Super Bowl 43, I, you know, some can argue that he was robbed of the MVP award. I think that you know, Ben carried the team. He made some clutch throws. He was very clutch in that game. And perhaps, you know, I understand the the catch there that Santonio Holmes made was amazing. And he, he helped get the Pittsburgh Steelers down the field. Don't don't want to take anything away from Santonio Holmes. But, you know, there can be an argument there that Big Ben could have been the MVP of that game as well. So Starks continued and said that it makes sense to put the ball in your superstar's hands, but the Packers were the wrong opponent to try uh, so many passes. I think if it was anybody else but the Packers that came out of the NFC that year, yes, the Packers had the number one secondary, uh, added Starks. Many people point that Richard's fumble at the beginning of the fourth quarter as a big play that ended the Steelers' momentum, but Sparks says it was – Perfect hit on the ball and was going to pop out. Max Starts also stated, if you take one last pick away from that game, we're talking about seven-time Super Bowl champions instead of just six-time. That's throwing a lot of weight at Big Ben, man. That really is. Like I said, this is a uh, team game. This is a game where... I get it, the weighty moments and, and, and all this other stuff. But one certain play at a certain time of the game doesn't cost the entire game. Just like the fumble that Rashard Mendenhall had didn't cost the team the game. You know, that wasn't the only reason why they lost. Doesn't, you know, you can't turn around and say, hey, you know, we didn't have that one interception. Now, if we go and look at that game and the stats, you know, the Packers scored over 30 points in that game. You know, they're going up against an offensive team that was scoring points, got ahead early. Steelers were in catch-up mode. And once they got close to the point where they were starting to take over, then they started to run the ball to try to limit the possessions for Aaron Rodgers and to put the Steelers in position to win the game. And during that momentum grab and during that momentum time and that moment in those drives, that's when Richard Mendenhall fumbles the ball. 
even at that, the Steelers still find themselves in a position with the opportunity to have a drive to go down the field and win the game. So regardless of the interceptions, regardless of the fumbles, regardless of any penalties or whatever the case may have been that occurred prior to that moment, there was still an opportunity to win. It just wasn't the Steelers' year that year. You know, call it what you want, say what it is. It was a team effort, and at the end of the day, Steelers lost. There's a lot of what-ifs and could-have-beens and take this out and take that out, and I don't know. To me, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth bringing up the drama. It's not worth bringing up all those things. And, and I'm surprised that this is coming out from somebody like Max Starks, who has a, um, you know, who has ties to the team still. He's out there during, you know, uh, does a lot of reports, does a lot of interviews, um, is out there, does a lot of broadcasting, audio when it comes to, uh, you know, training camp. I saw him out there. And so, you know, I'm just surprised he'd be bringing this type of stuff up so many years later as well. You know, is he, is he trying to back, back Richard? You know, he brings up the fact that, you know, he, he gives an excuse for the fumble, throws a lot of the blame on the interceptions. You know, you take one less pick away. You know, if I, if I remember correctly, I think one of them, he was pressured pretty good. I think the first one, if he block a little bit better, maybe he don't throw that pick. And so, I mean, the fingers can be pointed at every in every direction. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, the defense didn't play so well. How many points did the, uh, the Packers put on the Pittsburgh Steelers? And it just recently came out that they were targeting – Troy Palomalo, that was their, that was the game plan. You know, something that most teams weren't doing. And I guess, you know, when you think about it, that's probably the least, you know, the last thing you think an offense would be doing is going after a Troy Palomalo who was still in his prime. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But, you know, to change, I guess, maybe some of the mood a little bit. Uh, in other news... Jerome Bettis came out and disclosed a, uh, a little bit, uh, a little tidbit, a uh, possible trade that was going to happen with the Steelers late in his career. You know, this is something that nobody knew about, but, you know, apparently Coach Cower went up to Jerome and let him know back in 2003 that there was a trade offer for Jerome Bettis uh, to send him out. And instead of just doing so, letting him go, actually came up to Jerome, asked him about it, asked him what his thoughts and feelings were about it. You know, it's a class organization. That's not something you expect from from uh, most places. Most places, they see an opportunity to, you know, move on from a player. Uh, Jerome Bettis at that time, you know, he even stated in the interview with Peter King that, you know, the Steelers had to Staley. They had, you know, already brought in other options for the running back position that, Jerome Bettis was just going to be a backup. So he had the opportunity to go to Chicago and be somebody uh, that was going to be running the ball more frequently and more often, possibly could even get a rushing title, which is what Peter King had stated that he turned down. Jerome Jerome Bettis stated that he thought, you know, he appreciated that the team came and they respected his opinion and understood it. And he turned down the offer because of that and also because of the fact that, 
the Chicago Bears were wanting a Jerome Bettis from, you know, like maybe 1999, 98, not so much 2003. You know, he wasn't sure he could deliver being that running back that could carry the rock 25, 30 times a game. Stated he probably could for the beginning portion of the season, but that he probably wouldn't be able to last more than four or five games doing that. And so he felt that he could be more effective. And even though the pay would be less, you know, he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. And also he took in, you know, into consideration into his decision was that the legacy of one's career can be tainted by leaving the organization that you built so much to and uh, going somewhere else. And so not only did he want to leave that legacy legacy with the Pittsburgh Steelers amongst uh, and in Pittsburgh, but he, he wanted to continue to be a part of the Steelers and the organization and be around after the fact and maintain his presence out there. And so, <clears throat> you know, uh, kudos to, to Jerome. He could have gone out, could have left, even even knowing the fact that, hey, you know what? They're going to get four or five good games out of me. I'm going to get a paycheck worth 16 games. You know, he took the higher road. He understood. And it ended up being the uh, perfect picture ending for Jerome Bettis. Getting to go home and, and winning a Super Bowl in your backyard in Detroit and going out as as the hero going out on top, especially after what had happened <laughs> earlier that earlier that playoff run against the Indianapolis Colts to go full circle where Jerome Bettis fumbled the ball and Big Ben Roethlisberger was the guy that ended up making a tackle that allowed uh, the Steelers to stop the Colts, which fortunately led to a missed field goal by Vanderjet and the Pittsburgh Steelers moving on to Denver, and which would later, later lead to a Super Bowl victory. You know, if it weren't for Big Ben, <laughs> um, 40, 43, the Super Bowl run that, you know, came up short in 45 or for Super Bowl 45 wouldn't have happened. Big Ben was a huge piece to that. You know, that team going back and for those Super Bowl teams. And, and you know, I'll talk about this for a few minutes on Super Bowl, Super Bowl weekend. You know, the Steelers always got close under Bill Cowher. You know, they won division titles. They made it to the AFC Championship multiple times. They won multiple playoff games. But they just couldn't get it over the top. They couldn't get over it until, until seven came. You know, you look at the 2003, you look at the 2004 Pittsburgh Steelers, the 2003 Steelers went 6-10, and 10. the 2004 Steelers went 15-1. and one. Then Roethlisberger won, I believe it was like 13 or 14 games straight. Didn't lose a game until the AFC Championship. Those two teams really didn't have a lot of differences as far as players and coaching staff. They had Big Ben there, and, you know, I think they played a little bit more simpler offense than when, when, what they were, you know, utilizing with Tommy Gunn. Uh, and perhaps maybe that helped, out, helped the offense out a little bit going and being a little bit more simple. But in those waiting moments, in those big time downs, in those clutch moments, Big Ben came through. 
time after time after time again. You know, I appreciate Big Ben and his career. You know, I, I think he did a fantastic job. He led this team to multiple successful years, multiple division championships, um, allowed us to clown on the Browns for for two decades. It's, you know, I just don't understand why after all this, after he's hung it up, that there's still folks trying to go after him. You know, let him enjoy his career. Uh, let him enjoy his retirement. Let him enjoy his podcast. Check it out. It's actually kind of funny. I enjoy it. But that's all I got for you guys today. I want to say thank you to all of you guys for uh, checking out State of the Steelers. Uh, appreciate it. We'll be uh, um, here next week. I know here pretty soon sometime. Uh, the show might be changing days, but we'll keep we'll keep you in tune. Make sure you go check out all the other podcasts that are out there on Behind Steel Curtain. You have Just Ride, Stat Geek, uh, the big the the Brosco Show. You have uh, Bad Language, um, the so many other ones. <laughs> well, that being said, guys, I'm Daniel J. Stay the Steelers, Beyond the Steel Curry. Y'all have a great week and enjoy the Super Bowl. See you next week.